1: Filtered
0: news. Real news. Well, happy Monday, everyone. It's almost Christmas, and I'm excited. I want to see what Santa got for me. I think I've been a good girl. I deserve more than coal this year. And I hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. It's December 17th. We're almost coming up to two years of a Donald J. Trump presidency, and I believe we have successfully done a lot. A lot that goes on behind the scenes. A war that he's waged that a lot of us don't see Because it's not readily apparent. So today, I thought I'd start my show, uh, first of all, telling you that on Wednesday, I will have Laura Loomer with me, where we will discuss the incoming candidates that won, obviously, incoming congresspersons. Uh, who are demanding that we change uh, the face of Congress and, as they call it, make it look more like America. And they're referring to hijabs in Congress. Now, don't get me wrong, I have no issue with that, but let's take a think. Did we make any exceptions for any other religion? Did we allow our Jewish Uh, congressmen wear their head covers, have we? But now we are supposed to make the exception. They are not in there to serve Allah. They are there to serve the people. So I don't see how the hijab not being allowed to be worn in our halls of Congress limits them the ability to serve the American people. Because if you've taken on the challenge to come to a country that has separated state and religion, yes, then you must abide by the rules. But we'll get into that on Wednesday. We'll have Laura Loomer here live. um, And whoever would like can actually phone in and speak or ask her questions. So having said that, I wanted us to just take a think of exactly how much President Trump is doing that none of us can see. But, again, circling back to my notion of what a genius he is, because it it is apparent now that the Department of Justice, the FBI, our intelligence communities, and the previous White House were all one click, a corrupt click a clique that would have each other's back regardless. These are the people that are above the law. They literally manipulated documents. They violated their their oaths of office. We vested trust in, in these departments, in these areas of our government, and they have assaulted that trust. And obviously, our president knew this coming in, And this is why I've said he's a genius, because he's not relying on them. He is not relying on them to provide justice to the people, to give us back our country, to allow us to have control of our country's progress, our country's trade, our country's existence and sovereignty. He's not relying on them. He's relying on you and on me and on your neighbor and on the millions of people that voted for him to dig, dig, and dig. And even if this mafia that has been running our government for decades, this swamp, they are no match for millions of people globally. Okay, not just here in the United States, globally who are doing their homework, who may have access to information and persons within their office that they do. They do not know if we have someone in Mueller's team that tells us everything. They do not know if we have people from pre- from the previous administration and from the one before that. And people within the FBI now or before that are giving us information. They don't know that. And what's to stop millions of people? I don't care if they're in the thousands and tens of thousands. We're talking millions globally. And we're all doing our homework. And we're all bringing it up. Interestingly enough, a week and a half ago I spoke about how important Central America played a role in uh, our country's, I would say, culture in the 80s. I expressed how important it is uh, targeting down what had happened, taking a look, taking a deep dive into what shaped America in the 80s. Because if you notice, every decade has a different tone. The 80s was a cocaine tone, right? Uh, Even from their videos, I mean, I don't know if you're anything like me, in the morning, when I'm up, the first thing I do is troll websites, and it's like my secret thing to do to pep me up. And I go to this one site that I the, – the, one place on Facebook, a Facebook page called Mouth Breather Underscore. Anyway, that page has <laughs> videos from like the 70s and 80s and kind of creates memes out of it. But if you pay attention and you see – Every video that was in the 80s was super energetic, super crazy, um, all about aerobics, and um, seemed really off. It looked like everyone was high on Coke. And again, it was in the 80s that Bush, Clinton, Roberts, and, you know, and William Barr, you know, the whole Noriega thing, Mina, right? Let's get back to it. And today, um, there are a few people that track flights, And one is coming in from Nicaragua, coming into Guantanamo. It's not a coincidence. If people actually, you know, there's a lot of people that are on Twitter, Facebook, you know, Gab, Parlay, all these uh, social media outlets, you know, pounding. I trust my president, this, this. And then they get like all these, you know, fans to that idea. That's great. But since you're on the computer, why not look? Why not help? Why not put it out there? Dig, dig, dig. You know, I'm so tired of all this clickbait media. You know, there's these um, outlets that are reporting clickbait. Because today, you know, they were talking about things that I was talking about a week and a half ago now that it's allowed. Because it seems even our conservative, uh, you know, arms or our more um, patriotic arms of media uh, that reach out to us, seem to, you know, um, pretty much go with the beat that the mainstream media sets, which is, you know, very disheartening. Uh, You're supposed to disrupt things. You're supposed to provide information. So for me, uh, you know, it it, it keeps me, I'm a little bit salty about that. You know, I'd expect more from them. But, you know, they're all about clicks. Clicks. Uh, because it is a a full-time job to investigate things, to read things, to do things, and then compose articles. I mean, it takes me. I'm still working on three things, you know, for weeks now, and I have a full-time job, and I also have contracting, and I also have my radio show, but I find time to do it because, one, I enjoy it, and two, it's my duty as a citizen to put it out there and do my part. You know, I'm not in D.C., where my voice is on a megaphone, yet people like Ocasio are, but hey. So I do what's the next best thing, just like I see many people doing, which is great. And I encourage that. Be an active citizen. Contribute. Dig. Inform. Advise. Have discussions. These are important And again, circling back, this is what our president wants. He is promoting crowdsourcing. He is crowdsourcing the truth. He is literally reaching out to us through social media to tell us what is going on. Obviously, when he tells us, it's already a done deal. But he is reaching out to us. Today's Monday, right? So we have exciting things. One, we have Loretta Lynch in a closed session where she's providing testimony today. And then we have Comey coming back. Wishful thinking that there's agents there and we get to see handcuffs slapped on him. That would be great. Because as the leader, as... (sighs) You're in charge of the highest law enforcement office in our nation. And you have shown nothing but corrupt tactics, lying, quid pro quo, right? Covering up. I mean, this is insane. If anything, he should be in shackles by now. I'm astonished that he's not. It should have happened already. But you know. We have mouthpieces on mainstream media. You know, they're so insane. You give them an inch, they will blow it out of proportion. You will find them uh, claiming that, you know, President Trump is a dictator when when he slaps on cuffs, even though they're guilty. Because that's what you have to believe. Because it's insane that he's president to them. He's destroying everything they built. Remember, it was that fateful day in the 80s when CNN was created. 1981, right? June 1st, I think, or was it 1980? One of the two. They were created. When cable TV was kind of, if maybe, they were the cable news network, they were everywhere. It was like HSBC. See, HSBC is a bank that I first ran into when I was out in the Far East. We're talking like late 90s, right? And in 2003, it looked like they spread like the plague everywhere. They were in Asia. They were like a small bank, kind of like a credit union, if you would say. They were super tiny. And then suddenly, you know, they're everywhere. And I'm in London and there's like 20 of them. And I'm like, whoa, like how did that bank explode like that? Who funded it? So this is how what happened with CNN. They were created. Not People were not really into cable. No one really had cable. I mean, I came from a family that was pretty well off. I mean, I remember being a young child and having, you know, a 45-inch TV. That was pretty huge, you know, in, in the 80s, right? Um, late 80s, to have a big screen TV, that's pretty huge. And I think we got cable in the 90s at some point. Um, The point is, is they spread like the plague too. I mean, who funded them? So we see that we can't even arrest these people. We can't perp walk them because it will be considered dictatorship. It will be considered get on the streets and fight. He is doing this on purpose. How could he do this? These are great people. And you know what? No, they're not. Because like I said, for some reason, the conservative media has decided to, 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 Go with the beat. Go with the flow that the mainstream media is dictating. Why start talking about how corrupt Mueller is and how he was being investigated in 2003 and how Comey and him were best friends now? Why weren't you talking about it when it first came up four weeks ago like I did? Why didn't you drive the news? Why did you wait so it can fly under the radar? Because nobody's going to care. You should talk about it when it's important. Kind of like when Strock was in the middle of everything, I was exposing stroke, You know, Peter Strock. who is he? Where is he from? What does his father do? How is his father connected to Haiti and the Clinton Foundation? How was he raised in Iran? How he and Brennan work together. How he's not really FBI. You know, all these things. Those are things that have to be said when they're important to be said, obviously, That article is now important. So when I wrote it with Big League Politics back in the summer of 18, you know, now it's making its rounds again. But it was important then because I have been trying, just like many others, to set the tone of what we need to be talking about. What's important? What's now? Not tomorrow, not when it's done, but when it's hot. You don't go off their topic, kind of like Judicial Watch. They've been doing things and, you know, they beat to their own drum, basically. And that's the way to do it. You ask the hard questions. You report the hard facts. Regardless if everybody else is doing it or not, we need to start looking into things ourselves. We cannot trust the media. We, and, and here's a prime example that I saw. In France, um, let me find the person who actually tweeted out the picture. But, you know, they're they're having a lot of uh, people protest, right? It's insane. I mean, the the country's on fire, and it's as it should be. Um, But if you take a look at the handle on Twitter called Sotiri D, so that's S O T I R I D I, he shows how in the news they literally edited shots. Live, So they were showing the crowds and they were holding a sign like, you know, uh, that was negative against Macron and they erased the negative words and just had the word Macron. Like, I am not kidding. I am going to retweet that picture right now. It is insane. The mainstream media is literally editing things live in front of your eyes. They will not tell you the truth. There's no way they're going to tell you the truth because they're all part of this DC mafia. Who do you think funds them? It's like you're asking them to bite the hand that feeds them. Kind of like Jake Tapper yesterday tweeted something like, oh, this kind of throws a wrench into Mueller's thing. And I tweeted back to him, hey, are you jumping ship? Because, you know, you can't do that. They feed you. You know, it's I understand. I understand. Why Jake Tapper and all these other talking heads do what they do? Because that's their paycheck. See, people, you know, think of themselves first. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. Everybody does it. You think of your family, your, you know, pocket, your roof over your head first always. But the bottom line is, do you sell your soul doing it? And this is what they're doing. Like, I don't know how these people sleep at night, seriously. Or the cast of SNL. How do they even sleep at night? I, You can tell from just the escalation of tone and the aggressiveness they have and the disdain that they are no longer trying to hide. It's just insanity and just hate, hate, hate that they're in trouble and they know it. And the president is coming down. And now you are going to be seeing the fruits of his labor from back in the day, kind of like how I explained He had a Russian national who was a spy at our U.S. embassy kicked out in August of 2017 along with the U.S. ambassador uh, to the United States in Moscow, this clown called John Teft, in 2017. Now, no media outlet reported that ousting. No media outlet reported anything until a year later. They're never going to report the news. The president's right. Are you expecting to get real news from them? That's impossible. That would be totally against what they're being paid to do. They're being paid to tell you what they're being told to tell you. And, and that's the problem because, you know, they're telling you we're, we're impartial, we're this. Really? You are? This is why you clip edits? You saw what James O'Keefe uh, exposed the other day, how they had the panel and they made it look like the guy was looking at crickets because he had no response, but he gave him a full response, but they edited it out, hence why Camarota you know, she, she deleted her Twitter account. And that was over a year ago, maybe more, uh, <laughs> because I was one of the people <laughs> pounding her for it too. But, you know, you need to pay attention to these things. You're never going to get the real news. Anyone that watches CNN, NBC, geez, I hate that channel. I can't wait till they go broke. You know, even Fox, they all have interests. They have advertisers they need to answer to. You know, I don't have advertisers. And here's the thing. I'm only going to get advertisers for my show that align with my values I won't let money drive what I say you can't tell me what I'm not that type of person and even when I write either that be with my pen name or my byline you know one thing that I bump heads with a lot of you know online journals and paper hard copy is that they tell me you're gonna do it like this and I'm like no it's either my terms or no terms that's it and that's the way it goes. And that's what people who are solid in their values do. They perform the work, they per- their interactions are 100% grounded to what they believe is correct and what they believe in. I do not believe in clickbait. I do not believe in just, you know, taking, you know, like a story and breaking it up into 10 pieces so I can get 10 different times of people clicking on it. No, I'm doing it to inform the public. I'm doing it to put that, you know, that earwig so that way you get on DuckDuckGo and you start doing your homework and opening your eyes and seeing this unseen war that our president has waged. None of these talking heads are talking about all these sealed indictments. These sealed indictments are terror for them. You know they think they're safe. They think they're going to get someone to pop it, and you know some of them they might actually know what's about- what it is about. I mean, I can find out that this x y z sealed indictment was filed, and this 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 and You know, I can find it out. You think that, you know, the deep state, you know, doesn't have access to it? Yeah, they probably do. But you better believe it that whoever is on that grand jury and whoever the judge is, is being monitored 24-7. Like if they take their phone to the toilet, we're going to be watching them do their business because we will know every single move they do in order to ensure that there is complete secrecy guarantee you i mean they used it, they use that stuff against us so why can't we use that against them and that's the deal and i guarantee you that you know a grand jury in iowa for example um you know that has been tasked with like you know a sealed indictment is probably on other ones too you know just to minimize the cost because it's expensive it's really hard to monitor these people after you screen them thoroughly, um, you know, to be there. It's really hard to make a judgment call. Like if someone would think if I was put on a grand jury panel to sit on a case about Hillary Clinton, that I would be 100% biased. No. I would be fair. See, I'm the type of person that says the law's the law. We have to stick by it, you know, kind of like, you know, there was a traffic stop and some guy was stopped with like, you know, 400 pounds of drugs in the trunk. Now, the traffic stop shouldn't have happened. It was illegal. But then they arrested them for having all these drugs. And I'm like, "Uh, okay, it doesn't matter. They had all these drugs and you found it when you illegally stopped and you illegally searched when they told you no and you had no reason to stop them. You just did. So they should walk, and that's the truth, because the law is the law. If we start bending the the rules because we want to get this done, then we have exactly what we're seeing today. you know a hot mess with no law and order and just dirty, hairy tactics in 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 you know it's obviously evident that the highest offices in our land of law enforcement, either that be nationally or locally within your state, operate in the same manner. They don't find, they don't get, uh, you know, results of a victim or a crime and start investigating. They pick you out and say, hey, are you criticizing me? Here's a thorough colonoscopy until I find something. That's what they're doing. And this is 100% unconstitutional. And yet it's happening. And we don't have people out on the streets every single day fighting that. We should. Instead, we're on social media, you know, retweeting things like, yes, I trust this president. No, just put, do your research. I want everyone who ever listens to do their research, be informed. It doesn't mean you have to share it. You could be sitting in a conversation over Christmas with someone and say, well, you know, I read this and I kind of looked at this. You know, have a conversation with your neighbor advise them of what's really going on, especially, you know, I have a lot of liberal friends. We're, we're talking a lot. You know, and they'll jump on my Facebook feed. They'll jump down me on a phone call or a text and start bashing. And, you know, I just, well, he is your president. And by the way, this, it doesn't matter. He bone spurs. What? You know, you have to start giving facts. You have to start educating. We need to spread the word because we're fighting against the talking heads that are trying to cover up the war that our president has waged. It is a very sinister, I would say, there are very sinister crimes that he has begun to wage war against. And if anyone takes the time to read his executive orders, it would be readily apparent to you just how sinister Just how corrupt, just how evil, and just how anti-American it is. This isn't the America our founding fathers created. This is the America that corrupt creatures of comfort and habit in a clique created. That's what it is. And we need it to stop. I'll be back shortly right after the break.
2: So call now 1 800 707 1219. 1 800 707 1219.
4: Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat, plus it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10 year warranty and a 60 day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National. Sleep Foundation and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1 800 961 9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1 800 961 9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with My Pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own.
1: For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com
0: Alright, I'm back. um After that short break, I couldn't even believe that half hour just flew by like that. Wow, right? So... As I was saying, our president has waged a war that we don't see. And I wanted to talk about Obamacare. So a little bit about Obamacare and me. (laughs) I was actually on a team that helped formulate portions of the Affordable Care Act. I didn't ask to. I was tasked to. And I was specifically tasked to help formulate the portion to address uh, non-English speakers. That would include um, American Sign Language, of course, uh, and include uh, ADA guidelines to it. So that was a um, contract that I had to fulfill. And I can tell you that throughout my time formulating only those two paragraphs, there was a team of at least 200 of us working on two paragraphs. So I find it really hard when people would say, don't read it, just sign it, because they were working on this for a very long time. It was a recycled Hillary Care. You remember the Hillary Care that she tried to push in the 90s? That's what it was. It was just recycled. But this time, uh, what w- at that time, let me just say, What I noticed was that there were a lot of clauses and a lot of people that had no business being in healthcare. Like, for example, why would you have an auto insurance company sit in and help you formulate the jargon? Why would you have, you know, um, property insurance? Why would you have, you know, manufacturers uh, and not just pharmaceutical because they are just a manufacturing industry, if you think about it. Um, But why did they have manufacturers of, like, clothing sitting in on it? Those are questions you need to ask yourself. So, you know, obviously now uh, it has been found by a court that Obamacare is unconstitutional. And look, I'm all for that. It was unconstitutional to begin with. The way it was formulated, how it was formulated, and all the people that were included in on its formulation— Uh, You know, that's where I first met Biden, twice, creepy, really hope he runs for 2020. It'll be a lot of fun. But what people don't seem to understand is that the Affordable Care Act was never about making care affordable. It was to create the illusion that everyone should have health care access, but the health care access would fall upon the government providing it to you. This is why we saw a lot more people reliant on state Medicaid. And remember, when you're under the state's control, you really have no say. They tell you this is what you need and this is what you're getting. They decide what therapy you have. You really don't have a choice. Now, the other side of the coin is, well, if I have no money, beggars can't be choosers. No, that's not the way it is. Everyone should have access to health care. That's imperative. I think just in our society now in 2018, it's important because just over just under a hundred years ago, you know, the average lifespan was like fifty. People were getting married at fifteen and sixteen because they'd die in another fifteen to twenty years. So things have changed and obviously we have ways with our technology and evolving as human beings to extend life. And now our average life spans are like seventy to seventy five which is a big bump, to, to to be real. It's a really big bump within 100 years to add 25 years of life expectancy, especially when we have rates like obesity climbing and more cancer because, you know, you didn't hear a lot about that back in the day, obesity, cancer, diabetes. You know, we suddenly have all these crazy new things like lactose intolerance and uh, gluten allergies and you know people that suffer from that are like yeah it's real and it's like yeah but it's not your body it's the stuff that you put into it that causes it it could be that vaccination that you know your mom took when she was pregnant that created these antibodies causing you these issues it could be that vaccination you got and it just didn't agree with your body camera we don't know but all we do know is that an array of new diseases have popped up and we have tools to remedy those and everyone should have a right to access those tools and medications. Affordable the Affordable Care Act didn't did not have the basis of giving you those tools or giving you ready access. It was making uh, hospitals and pharmaceutical companies richer. That was the main point, and not only them, but all other insurance companies. I'll 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 bring it in this way, so that way you can understand. So anyone that has a parent or is you know sixty five and over, you'll know that there are now third party companies that call and say something like this: "Hi, I'm calling from XYZ Company." On behalf of your insurance, XYZ, I'd like to arrange, uh, you know, an appointment to have an in-home health visit with one of our licensed nurse practitioners to come and sit with you and see if you have any questions, you know, and right here, this is a red flag, you know, Unfortunately, most insurers, uh, most people that are insured don't even ask, "Um, well, why do you need to send a nurse to my house and examine me? Some people do. And the response that they get is something like, well, we just want to make sure that your insurance is meeting your needs. And we would like to send this nurse practitioner at no cost to you. Well, we will, she will take your blood pressure, you know. Um, uh, check your heart rate, uh, look over all the medications and supplements you take and notate them. Um, you'll have all your most recent laboratory results, and you can ask her questions, and she'll create a report that we'll also send to your doctor. Now let's fast forward um, to this average Joe that accepted this appointment. And suddenly he's, um, you know, out in his garden doing his thing, and he slips and he cracks his hip. Now here's what happens. He breaks his hip, he goes to the hospital, gets hip surgery. And his insurance, Medicare that he has, and whatever now forced contract to carry it, so we have you know big companies like Humana, Anthem, etc., that now carry Medicare contracts that are just a complete fraud, because I would highly recommend for everyone to just stick to original Medicare, don't deal with these companies, no matter how sexy they sound, stay away. So what he does is he goes into the hospital, he sits there, he gets his surgery, and now he's ready to go home. But he needs physical therapy. Your Medicare covers sending someone to your home to, you know, conduct physical therapy in your home and take care of you. But here's what happens. You had accepted this visit. Now your insurance company knows that you have two flights of stairs. They also know that you live in a very small apartment that's crowded. They also know you don't have bars to hold on to in your bathroom or in your toilet. And suddenly you find yourself in a rehab center. So you have no choice because your insurance will not pay to send someone to your home because they've done this inspection of your home and you've willingly allowed them to be there. And based on that decision, they will not allow you to go home and have service, but they will mandate we're only paying for rehab. So then you go into a a rehab center where they keep you for two to three weeks or until they feel that they've taken enough of your money to be able to excuse themselves of having you as a tenant. And then you go home. That's how the Affordable Care Act is. It allowed private companies to carry Medicare contracts because a lot of people think it's for the young the children that don't have health insurance, etc. You know, if you take a kid that's sick to a hospital, I don't care if you don't have any insurance, they will look after you. I don't see why people think that a hospital would turn them away. Now, a hospital will turn you away for elective surgery. A hospital will turn you away if you want to reconstruct, you know, your boobs or if you want to remove your gallbladder because, you know, eating spinach doesn't settle well with you but no doctor would ever turn away a patient that is in need of critical you know that needs care so this whole Obamacare was to socialize our medicine and create the cost to be so unbearing that if you do not register with them which is also unbearing very high in cost very um, tedious it's really insurance that doesn't really provide insurance. I mean, what's the point of you paying $500 a month for a family of four, if you're going to have to pay the first $8,000 out of pocket? What happens when Junior just, you know, sprains his ankle and you go to the ER? That's a $4,000 bill you have to pay and you're not covered because you have a deductible. That's That's not really fair, is it? No, it's not. But that's why it was created, because now they can charge you $4,000 because you have a sprained ankle and went to the ER, whereas before they couldn't do that. So this is what the Affordable Care Act did. It allowed people to inflate prices. It also allowed for financial and health discrimination, and I'll tell you how. Because all of these other insurance companies come together. So now your auto insurance company has access to your health record. So if you're a diabetic or you... um, once had an accident and had broken your arm when you were like 5 they know it so when you get in a car accident and you know it was all about the steering wheel or reflexes you know they could deny payment and have you out because they know that you had broken your arm at that point and maybe your reflexes weren't so good i'm just saying this is just hypothetical but this is where it's going to in it has to be understood that if you actually read the whole thing, you'd be pulling your hair out. Like, who signed this? It's kind of like the NDAA. Like, who signed this? They don't read anymore because they shouldn't have to. They're just like, yeah, we're just going to give you free health care. You couldn't have health care. We'll give it to you. Well, you caused the prices to go up. You made the prices go up, so that way you can use that as an excuse to say why we need affordable health care. I remember when 250 dollars a month had me and you know my family of four covered with private insurance, no Obamacare, pretty well. I'd pay a 15 percent copay for things that were, you know, astronomical, and that was about it. It worked out pretty well. But then when I was looking into Obamacare when I was out on the West Coast, it's like, what? First of all, the, the easiest way for us to register for health care because we were going to get a penalty was through uh, Kaiser Permanente. And, you know, let me not get started on that. You know, you have to use their doctors and their pharmacy and their, 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 their um, with whatever agreements they have. You know, that was a problem. You know, when my when my research lab had to uh, find insurance, it was really hard to get insurance, you know, for so many employees. So everyone would just get their Obamacare premium paid up to whatever point the state of Oregon mandated that I pay. And when I looked into it, I was like, all right, I'm paying $600 a month for a family of four, and the coverage is diddly squat. So I'm kind of, you know, I, you know, obviously uh, in my family, you know, uh, there's VA, there's whatever, but for people that don't have secondary insurance, that's a big problem. And so this ruling that just happened is good and bad. And here's why it's good. Good because indeed it's unconstitutional, but bad because it leaves millions of people in limbo. Let's be fair, because right now. They're in limbo. They're like, okay, I don't have to buy it because uh, I don't get penalized. But if I don't buy it, then I have crazy prices to pay out of pocket. So that is the drawback here. I would have preferred that we just get rid of it, all of it, and then just, you know, have legislation that guides and caps what you know uh, healthcare institutions can charge. Because it's out of control. I mean, when I needed antibiotics, for example, I was lucky enough to be able to travel outside of the US and get them. And I paid $3. That was the full price for a box of, you know, antibiotics. When here, uh, without my insurance, it would have been $320 for our augmentin and. Uh, you know, if I was getting the generic, it would have been like you know 120, and it's like, what? This is what Obamacare did. It it helped create the high prices. To to force people to get insurance that really wasn't insurance because you're still paying out of pocket those astronomical prices. So it was just a cycle of putting people into more of a predicament and not really having access. So hearing stories of, I had cancer and I finally had insurance. Dude, if you had cancer and didn't have insurance, no one would turn you away. Maybe you wouldn't get into drug trials, but Obamacare is not going to get you into a drug trial. You have to, you know, uh, you know, meet a few requirements to get in, just like people have to meet requirements to get into the drug trials that my lab is executing. So, you know, when you hear people talking about Obamacare and they're uh, spewing out, well, I never had health care. Well, that's fine. Uh, You probably didn't have a job that offered it because all employers offered health care like, you know. Legit employers, right? Uh, And legit by saying, like, big companies. Um, Not saying that smaller companies are not legit. Uh, But, you know, you give and take. And if you couldn't afford insurance, if you really got sick, you had access to health care. I can't imagine someone saying that they didn't. You know, uh, out of all the patients that are on my drug trial, I can tell you that... I would say 99% of them had no insurance. None of them were turned away because, you know, these experimental drug trials, you know, especially when dealing with ailments like cancer, um, are funded by other people. We fund to have you, you know, come on to this and test it. So, you know, that's one. Now... As far as having cancer, and you go down the obvious route of radiotherapy and, you know, your traditional chemo, you know, that could be, um, you know, an issue. But there's no way the state won't pay for it if you're sick and you have no money. So, you know, when I hear people talking about Obamacare and how great it is, I'm thinking, okay, one, they've never read it. Two... They've obviously either not used it, right? Or they use the healthcare exchange to get on Medicaid, which means they pay nothing and therefore they're benefited by that. Because they make so little money, now they afford Medicaid. Oh, and by the way, for anyone thinking that Medicaid is free healthcare, I have news for you. If you are aged 55 and over, at the age of 55, On your birthday, when you turn 55, your social security number is turned into an account number for your state. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's pretend Betty is 67 years old. She's on Medicare, and she owned a house. And, you know, obviously when she was retiring at 65, she thought, you know, let me um, write the deed over to my kids. I want them to have property. Uh, Let me sign off, you know, uh, put in my will that this kid gets this, that kid gets that. You know, she sorts her affairs out, right? I'm retired now. I should get this in order. So at 67, she goes to the hospital and they tell her she's got stage four cancer. And her insurance, Medicare, is just, even though it covers 80% of it, she never signed up for Part C when it was available when she turned 65, which if you can afford it, get it. And if you can't afford it, make sure your kids can help you pay for it, because that is a godsend, the Part C, which is to cover that 20%. You only get one shot at getting it at a good price. If you continue down your years and then you decide to get Part C, that price goes up. So here's the thing. She never got Part C, so she had to pay that 20%, and the... Uh, cost of her chemo her surgeries was just immense you know 20% was way too much for Betty so you know she lasts about a year crippling debt obviously she can't so Medicaid kicks in Medicaid's like don't worry we got you covered But, you know, when they ask you about Medicaid, what do they ask you? Tell us, do you own your own home? What investments do you have? Do you have 401Ks? Do you have any uh, Roths? Do you have IRAs? Do you have this? Um, How many vehicles do you have? Anyone listening to me right now that is on Medicaid understands these questions. Because these are the questions they ask. They ask for everything financial. You have to prove that you cannot meet your needs right? And only a few states actually implement it correctly, you know, that you cannot meet your needs. You can have, um, you know, five houses and not get any rental income, but they're in your name and you gave them over to your kids and they'll be like, that's okay. This is whatever. And even if you have um, money in some states, you can have a um, CD or a mutual fund with like $80,000. You'll still get Medicaid because you have cancer and they need to pay for your medication. But here's the the kicker. Betty signs up for Medicaid and then she dies. And suddenly her estate is opened, and you know, the lawyer sits down with the kids to hand out. This is where the state comes for state recovery. Every single piece of anything she owns is now first used to pay her bill, whatever the state paid for her health care needs to be paid before her kids can get anything. And here's the kicker. Betty handed her house over to her child before she got sick, before she got on Medicaid. But here it is. State recovery can go retroactive 10 years from the date you turn 65. So if you sign your house over to your children after the age of 55, like once you turn 55, It's fair game for them. And state recovery is no joke. People lose their farms. People lose their homes. And, you know, they have no qualms because nothing is free in life. And people need to understand that. And Obamacare made sure of that because what did it do? It expanded the necessity for Medicaid because it didn't target the young and the able bodied. It targeted the people that were on 45 to 50 to increase that state recovery. I mean, Florida has one of the worst track records. So does Kentucky and North Carolina and South Carolina. There are tragic stories that are coming out of there where people lose their estate. This is what Obamacare did. Aside from inflating the prices of healthcare, inflating the prices of medication, inflating the prices of anything to do with health, they've increased the number of candidates that potentially can make them more money by having claim to their property, their home that they worked 80 years to build, 60 years to build, they take it away because they got sick. So this is what the true face of Obamacare is, completely unconstitutional, little things that people don't know about that happen every day because after Obamacare was enacted, suddenly you saw you didn't need your red, white, and blue card for Medicare. You could use Humana or Anthem or Cigna Healthcare or all these other companies that are carrying the contract and costing you more money in the long run. It's a fraud, and this is what the Affordable Care Act is. It's a fraud. It is unconstitutional. It's wrong, and it's causing so much harm to a big chunk of our American population that people don't talk about, which is our over 65. I mean, people are talking about Social Security. Talk about their health care because when you hit 65, you have one slip in the tub. You know, you're probably out for the count after that. Broken hip. Probably send you to your grave faster than anything else. So why aren't we talking about that? Because this is what Obamacare did. And this is something that people need to understand. Completely unconstitutional, but like I said, for me it's a problem that it was done that way. Because it leaves people in complete limbo right now and at the mercy of healthcare institutions. And you know, pharmaceutical companies and healthcare institutions are the last people you would expect to not go down without a fight. They make way too much money. They're the ones that register as nonprofits, nonprofits, yet make billions of dollars. They pay zero, almost zero federal taxes. Let me not say most of them even get returns. And they make tons of money. So it's time that people, you know, on both sides of the aisle, because like I've said before, there's not really an aisle. You're just American. If you identify left or right, you're kind of wrong because those are just illusions. you got to focus on you, your country, and what's priority for us as Americans, not for other people. And what we need to focus on right now is that we have had previous administrations that have caused so much harm to us by way of creating unconstitutional laws and mandates, creating executive orders that limit our ability of control of the government. And we have one man in office right now who is fighting unseen wars. And I'm not even touching on the sinister part of things. We're talking unseen wars in regards to our health care. And, you know, if you're not healthy, you're done. You know, when people have their birthday, the first thing I say is I wish you many more years of health. Because health is really the only thing that money can't buy. Look at Steve Jobs. I mean, he had enough money to prolong his life, but not live. So they're targeting the most precious and most important part of our being, which is our health. Without your health, you can do absolutely nothing. And if they control that, they control everything. Now, after the break, we'll circle around Comey's testimony today and what we're expecting. And I will see you guys soon. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori says for the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news,
1: foreign and domestic.
0: For the second half of the hour, uh, again, I'm Tori. You can find me on Twitter at Tori_Says, uh or at torysays.com. Obviously, on Red State Talk Radio, 12 to 2. Like I announced in my first hour, um, I will be having Laura Loomer here on Wednesday to discuss um, what is being said to be considered our new, uh, what is it? Congress will start looking like America and what they're redefining is America. Now, people have been tweeting out that Comey is now at Capitol Hill to begin testifying. So that means, uh, Loretta Lynch has finished her closed session. I'm aware that, um, there are a few people going down there, and hopefully, I will get updates if anything uh, transpires during this hour. Now, I am tweeting out an, an article that I wrote weeks ago, um, which is This is what the declassified visa documents will tell you. I wrote that uh, via Big League Politics, uh, and specifically, uh, the date that I put it out was, you know, three months ago, actually. It was September 20th, uh, from what I see. So many people were looking to Trump, uh, you know, many, many times, hey, declassify the FISA warrants. It's the application for the warrant, not so much the warrant. The warrant really kind of reinforces what the application says, just so people understand the difference. The applications are key here, not so much the actual, well, the warrant, too, because then it'll define the scope. But the warrant itself is just reinforcing what they applied to do, just so that you understand. They um, create an application, they put it together, Uh, they say, for these reasons, we are applying for a warrant. And then when they go in front of the judge, they make their case and provide a warrant, which reinforces exactly why they made the application, and then... Uh, outlines the scope of the investigation like this is what we're going to be looking at like for example if they have a FISA warrant on you they'll say i just want to know what he or she is uh, doing when they call this number that number and this number and what contacts um what communications they have with them either that be um you know via telephone internet etc uh so that's just so you understand the two differences So, you know, uh, Jim Jordan, uh, when President Trump was, uh, you know, pretty much vocal about uh, declassifying portions of the FISA application, now that was done. um, And I do have all the links in the article, uh, but we wanted the whole thing done. Right. And um Chairman Goodlatte had also sent a letter to them uh, specifically to Judge Collier who was the first judge to sign uh one of these warrants um for Carter Page and I've and I told you guys before it was even declassified the date it was signed when it was signed by who because this same judge wrote a memorandum of opinion it's like 92 pages long that pretty much criticized you know, um, Lynch and Clapper on other matters which were specific to the way they were holding on and retaining information on citizens, okay? So this judge, I have no idea how she's still on a bench, tried to cover herself Right? By claiming that, you know, she educated them, she demanded them to provide them uh, more information, uh, more up to date information, how they're um, keeping on with everything. You know, she was supposedly demanding. But here's what the media won't tell you, and a lot of talking heads won't say that within these declassified portions, you'll see a lot. But one thing I want to remind everyone, is that the reason that Jeff Sessions recused himself? Okay, keep in mind, recused himself is because prior to the application for this FISA warrant, right, he was part of a committee the Senate Judiciary Committee, Um, in regards to the Fusion GPS operative, you know, that Russian lawyer whose um, visa was declined but then overruled by Lynch. You know, everyone keeps saying it was, you know, New York City that allowed her to come in, but that's false. It was uh, Loretta Lynch that approved um, her application even though she was denied entry into our country. You know, and then after she came into our country and did whatever, you could see her sitting in on Senate committees and taking pictures with McCain and whatnot. But anyway, um, during that um, Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, Sessions was part of that group, and he had put forward questions for her to respond. Like, you know, what – specifically it was like, do you have, uh, you know, communications or relationships with people like Vladimir Putin or, you know um, – who? Oh, Sechin, Igor Sechin, you know, all the usual suspects that we keep hearing in the Mueller investigation, right? So this is why he recused himself, because he was already part of a committee before he was appointed to ask questions about her relationship in Russia. Because don't forget, that was the woman that held the meeting for like five minutes, right, uh, within Trump Tower, where Manafort's phone was tapped Instantly, because there are warrants for that tap instantly. So while they were in the room, here's the thing. The Obama administration already knew what they were talking about, already has record of it. So why not show it to us? Because obviously there's nothing incriminating in that. We know this now because they would have used that. Because we wouldn't be $30 million in the hole and, you know, uh, so many months into an investigation with absolutely nothing but, you know, taking people to jail for supposedly lying. You know, this is like, you know, discovery um, traps. This is where you go and they ask you questions and you fall into this trap. This is why when you're told, hey, voluntarily come in for a statement, don't do it unless they have a subpoena to put your tushed down and you have to speak, don't do it. Plead the fifth on everything. I don't care if you're innocent. This is how they do it. They tell you how it's no big deal. Just come on. So in this article that I retweeted, I put down to show you guys, and I put hints, Not, and I'm not going to state if, uh, uh, you know, I had seen it or not. You know, I cannot confirm or deny this, but I was 100% right. I showed that the first application... That was verified with its information, right? Because when you do an application, there's so many people contributing to it, right? You're applying for a FISA warrant. You have to have all this information verified, right? Verified means that you've checked that it's substantial and that it's correct. So the supervisory agent that did this was Peter Strzok, right? He was the one on behalf of the FBI as a special agent, to sign it off. But here's where it gets really cool. You know how Comey doesn't know much about, you know, the dossier and how it's unverified now, but it was verified? His signature is on that document, too. And and not only his, but we have John Kerry's signature, Andrew McCabe. We have... um, Who else? We have uh, Deputy Secretary of State um, Blinken. We have uh, Brennan. We have Carter. We have Clapper, Rice, and Stephanie O'Sullivan, who's the Principal Deputy Director of National Intelligence. And obviously, after that, we have Loretta Lynch and Sally Yates. So all these people, oh, and then Assistant Attorney um, of National Security. So all these people, all of them, on this application to Judge Collier, right, provided this application with this fake dossier that they knew the Obama administration, Hillary Clinton, and the DNC funded via Perkins Coy. So all these people had put their signature on it, but yet they're claiming that they didn't verify? Is Comey trying to say that he doesn't? oversee or doesn't look through the documentation presented to him when he is going to violate the rights of an American citizen and follow them and and, and wiretap them and surveil them so is he was he telling us that I don't look at all this stuff you know stuff like that doesn't come to me. So today, I'm really hoping that someone says, well, here's the FISA, you know, uh, warrant application and your signature is right at the top. And your agent, struck was the one that verified all the information. Now, did you read how he verified it? Because reports come from verification, meaning we source this document like this. But without confirming or denying, yes, when this application was done, they literally use circular reporting and they do this a lot if you pay attention to the documents that are now being you know released through people like Judicial Watch and other people who are you know putting forward for your request you will see that they literally use articles from the times yahoo news nbc cnn to validate why they're doing something i don't see how you can use a news agency uh, and mind you they're registered as an entertainment company not as press right how you can use them as your verification there's people in the press that that state things that are false intentionally all the time. Why would you use a company that has interests um, via their investors and advertisers to verify something that would potentially violate the civil liberties afforded to every citizen in our country? So the question is, none of them either looked at it or all of them took part in it. And I think it's the latter rather than the previous, right? There is no way a director of the FBI in any right mind would put their signature and allow for a warrant to be issued without reading what's inside. Because if you do that, you should go down. That's the way it is. He is under your watch. He reports to you, right? So how do you sign? I mean, then we have to say, well, didn't McCabe read it? Didn't Brennan read it? Didn't Clapper read it? Because all their signatures are on it, too. Didn't Loretta Lynch, the attorney general, read it? Because she confirmed that she read it because she signed it. John Kerry, his signature is on it. Why? Why haven't any of them been asked this question? Did you read the document before you signed it? Or are they going to start saying the same thing that, you know, we heard Pelosi crazily saying when we needed to pass the Affordable Care Act? Just don't read it. Sign it. Who doesn't read something in law enforcement and in the intelligence agency as attorney general? Who puts their signature on a document without reading it? I mean, I didn't even put my signature on my stupid little dinky two paragraphs that I helped collate on the Affordable Care Act until I read the whole Affordable Care Act. So I knew how I contributed to this mess we have now. Obviously, for me, it was just protecting the rights of those that don't speak English, uh, you know, and specifically those of American Sign Language, because I'm a huge advocate of ensuring that we have uh, medically qualified interpreters, right, not just someone that speaks the language as a second language, right? But regardless, my signature is still somewhere out there, and I wanted to make sure that all those thousands of pages... I knew what I was uh, what I was partaking in. Regardless if I agreed or not because I had no choice, I was assigned to it. The, the bottom line is, you know, what is in it. You never put your signature on something. Who signs something and doesn't see it? You're responsible for that. I don't care. It's like someone signing for a loan with a 35 percent interest and saying, oh, I didn't read the fine. Too bad. That's your signature. So how are all of these people going to tell us that they didn't see what was in the FISA application? None of them knew that this dossier was funded by the DNC, Obama and Hillary via Perkins Coy. None of them knew that... um, Christopher Steele, you know, uh, contributed to it. None of them knew that Christopher Steele, who worked with the FBI and Fusion GPS, gave the interview to that media company that they used to prove This is circular reporting. It's like me putting out to a news, you know, agency, hey, I'm the prettiest woman on the planet, the smartest woman on the planet, and, you know, I invented air, and I put that out, news agency publishes it, everything, and then I go to court, and I say, well, now you need to, you know, make this Tory Day, because look, this article said that I'm all this stuff, and I deserve, you know, (laughs) acknowledgement for inventing air, because that's what circular reporting does how is that justified if i've paid that news agency money because we all know the deep state funds them this is why they don't bite the hand that feeds them and actually accurately report facts so someone paid yahoo news has been paying yahoo news to write that has been paying cnn has been bin bin we can go over and over circularly saying this it's really onerous uh, but it's this and redundant to say it but they are part of the government. So there is no way that they wouldn't report this stuff. If you actually look at it, you, you, you totally think uh, this is insane. Like what court accepts a Yahoo News article or a report by NBC as fact to substantiate a dossier that was funded by the same people trying to, uh, you know, uh, discredit or illegitimize a presidency? Come on, or a presidential candidate at the time. Right. So now moving forward, I demonstrate to you in that article. So those are the people that signed the first one. But here's we get to the second one. It was renewed in January again. Obviously, it was Peter Stock that verified the information. And here are the signatures that signed this. These are all the people that signed it. Right. They signed it to verify the renewal in 2017 before they exited. So it was James Comey, McCabe, Brennan, Clapper, Sullivan, Rice, Carter, Brennan, and Kerry. They all redid it. They renewed the warrant. They renewed it, and obviously Sally, um, you know, Sally Yates uh, signed it as well. Uh, You know, obviously it, it has testimony that says that I've, you know, reviewed the documentation. I've verified the documentation. And if you notice, the second renewal had like an additional 13 pages that are fully redacted. And these 13 pages, and I can tell you this now, and I've talked about it before, and I am in the middle of writing everything because I have some great sources in London, but that includes information that was uh, provided uh, through foreign intelligence agencies, specifically that of coming again, um, reiterating from um, Brennan's company, Global uh, Solutions, which is based out of Luxembourg, which also houses all defense and intelligence information for mostly all intelligence agency globally. So we have the United Kingdom that provided substantial information that they verified. So the British said, "Yep, we verify this is true. Right. No one fact check them. And they're just like, well, why would the British intelligence agency lie? And this is the information. And here's breaking on this. I actually know who the judge was, and I haven't reported this yet because I have to wait for it to be a little bit more publicly accessible because I could expose my sources. But there is a judge that was called upon by the Obama administration to look at documentation to nullify President Trump's you know, election and thus stymie or stop him or invalidate or disallow him to swear in for the inauguration and allow for President Obama at the time to maintain the office of the president until further notice. They literally tried this. Now, a few people have reported and showed some emails, but I actually know who the judge is that they went to. And obviously, if I know it, the president knows it, and if the president knows it, you best believe that the judge that did it knows it. So, we're gonna have a lot of uh walks of shame. And I'm, I, and you know, if I was the president, I would have started with that, but I guess he's he, he, he's smarter than me, you know, he's Donald Trump, he's the president of the United States, and he has done so much way smarter than me. But I'm just saying, keep keep. Just follow my thought in regards to the FISA. So now they've renewed it a second time. We have all these people signing it, right? And then we have it renewed again. Okay? This time it was done in April because they're about 90 days apart, right? So in April, again, agent struck, verified, I declare under penalty and perjury that the following, that the um, foregoing information regarding Carter Page is true and correct, executed pursuant to Title 28, and he signed it. So that means he's verified, he's checked it, he's double-checked it, triple-checked it, and it's all legit. Guess who else put their signatures on the third renewal? We have James Comey. We have McCabe. We've got Pompeo. We have um, Coates, McMaster, Mattis, and Rex Tillerson. And this is in April. Keep in mind, at the time that Pompeo supposedly signed this, right? He was the director of the CIA, and then he was promoted, right? So all of these people signed it, and obviously not all of them are still here with us. But keep this in mind. Dana Bonte was acting attorney general at the time, remember? So what happened? Dana Bonte... Left being acting attorney general and moved over to become what? Part of the counsel for the FBI. So was an acting attorney after that for the FBI, obviously, resigned on the 27th of October, right? A few months later, resigned um, from that job too. But that is the um, acting attorney general who signed it in April of 2017. So this was round three, right? And this was a different judge, Um, just like every single one of them. They were different judges. So first it was Collier, then it was Mossman, and now we had um, Judge Conway. So now we go into the fourth. The fourth renewal, that was done in June of 2017. And here's some interesting facts. There was a meeting between um, Rosenstein and Coates. And uh, from what I hear, Mattis was in on it, too, or Kelly, where it was discussed to wear a wire when they would bring up to the president that there is a FISA warrant renewal that they need to sign. Because, remember, uh, Pompeo was promoted, right? He was promoted, even though he signed it, he was promoted from the CIA to Secretary of State. I hope you guys can read, read between my statements here. So this fourth application, third renewal from the original, had the following signatories. Obviously, it was Peter Strzok, who again signed the verification document. And then it says, and under every signature page of all these people that I'm telling you, it reads, accordingly, I execute this certification regarding Carter Page in accordance with the requirements of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act of 1978 as amended. So the director of the FBI was to sign it. Mm, that was blank. No Comey then. Rex Tillerson signed it. John Sullivan, Andrew McCabe, Mike Pompeo. James Mattis, Coates, and McMaster. Obviously, out of all these people, we only have about four of them left in the administration at the moment, right? So all of them were kind of going. Now, the attorney that signed it has been redacted. The attorney that signed this document for the U.S. Department of Justice has been redacted. Which leads me to believe that it was probably an attorney that was working on the M.Y.E. investigation. Which sounds incredible if you think about it. Wow, right? So, um, again, new judge. Uh, This time it was um, Deary uh, that signed it. So, think What is in this FISA application for the warrant? What was really in it? In it was this dossier that was collated on a whim, in a panic, after the DNC and RNC servers were hacked. And I've said this before. The only reason that they created this dossier or they created this narrative was for insurance. And why? Because they wanted, you know, obviously it went from Uranium One to email servers to uh, not complying with Uranium One stuff. So it all started, you know, back in the early thousands, right, when all of this started about asking Hillary Clinton for things. Don't forget she was a first lady that was subpoenaed by a grand jury, right? So... This all started from there. This has, this is nothing to do with Russia. Her investigation really had nothing to do with Russia. Yet the MSM is trying to convince you that her personal email server and her deleting communications and her not being compliant with subpoenas or requests from our Congress and from our Senate have something to do with Russia when they don't. It has nothing to do with Russia. This Russia narrative is to minimize her crimes, to minimize her responsibility. This is what they're doing. They're trying to say, well, big bad Russia colluded with all these people, and this is why poor Hillary this. No, let's not forget the scope here. The scope is she had her own personal server to circumvent having to what? What? having to provide records that way she can circumvent presidential archives this is why she had her personal server it has nothing to do with russia now right after the break we'll talk about what's going on with comey i'll see you in a few
2: So call now 1 800 707 1219. 1 800 707 1219.
4: Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat, plus it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10 year warranty and a 60 day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows, and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's 1-800- 961-9194 promo code REDSTATE. Put sleepless nights behind you with MyPillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For
1: the best night's sleep in the whole wide world is mypillow.com.
0: All right. Welcome back. So it's being reported that he just entered and they're gearing up. So that's great. I'm assuming that they're going to start at around two. I just got message that there's a lot of uh, um, a local uh, friends of mine that are now actually in D.C. heading over there. So uh, that's we're going to have some really good reporting on this specifically, you know, yesterday, James Comey had retweeted what the president did and uh, threw a little bit of salt. See, President Trump had tweeted, Remember, Michael Cohen only became a rat after the FBI did something which was absolutely unthinkable and unheard of until the witch hunt was illegally started. They broke into an attorney's office. Why didn't they break into the DNC to get the server or Crooked's office? And his uh, response was, this is from the president of our country, lying about the lawful execution of a search warrant issued by a federal judge. Who's the federal judge, Comey? One of your friends? Because all of us want to know who this judge is that said we will violate attorney-client privilege. We will raid the place because we want to. Where's the federal judge, Comey? is it judge roberts the same clown you know is he is he one of those calibers the clown that said that you know a man that killed americans with osama bin laden was innocent because he was supposedly osama bin laden's you know prisoner of war yet uh prisoner yeah that's basically what he said the argument was we can't try him we can't charge him with crimes he was a prisoner of Osama, even though he killed Americans and was his driver and bodyguard, uh, he's innocent. Are we talking about that judge? Or are we talking about the judge that issued the the bullying remarks to people that were questioning Obama's, uh, you uh, you know, where he comes from and how he spent, you know, so many weeks in Pakistan? You know, when I saw that come out, I was like, ooh, good hard hitting. I wasn't even in the United States when that came out. And I was like, yep, he was in Pakistan. I know that. I've been to Islamabad. I know that. I know where he shacked up and who he shacked up with. A lot of people know that. But you're not going to hear that because that's sealed, right? We know their names. There's even some pictures that have leaked out. But, you know, we're not going to know that because of executive order, right, that he wrote, 13489, which I'm really hoping the president strikes down immediately. So now we have Comey claiming that violating attorney-client privilege was legal. So in order to have it as legal, you need to have legal grounds to do it, right? So what were your legal grounds to trample through Cohen's office? What were the legal grounds? What's going to be funny is, seeing what he has to say. he Let's see what he has to say, because he got caught lying in his first one. For me, if I was any of the people up there asking him questions, the first one would be, did you read the FISA warrant application? Your signature is on like three of them. Mm, two. Third one. Yeah, no, three of them. So the initial one and two renewals. So did you read any of them? Did you look them over? Did you verify it? Because Strzok said it was verified, so obviously you have to check your, you know, your subordinates' work. No one ever puts their signature on something their subordinate does without looking. And if they do, they're the ones responsible for it, so they go down. So what is it? How is he going to explain how information is missing, how documents are missing. This is obstruction of justice by the people that are supposed to be executing justice. This is obstruction of justice by a man that just claimed a warrant was legal. I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. And you know what? Five feet? Can't throw him that far because I'm literally five foot tall. This man is ridiculous. This whole charade has to stop. It has to stop. How is our country going to go forward if people do not stop people like him doing what they're doing? Comey literally lied, not once, not twice, but all the time. We have people saying he's a pathological liar, he's this. Yeah, he is. He's trained to be that. You are not part of any intelligence community if you are not trained to deceive. Because you have to not only deceive people that you are questioning, but you have to deceive the people around you that you see every day because you can't tell them what to do. The bottom line is, his attorney is the best organized crime attorney. Organized crime, because this is exactly what they are, the Mafia. So now what are we going to, what do we expect to see today? You know what I want to expect to see? I want to see him be walked away in handcuffs. I want him to uh, be ridiculed. I really want that. I know I can't have it, but I really want that. You know, uh, something that just... um, came by, did you guys know that during the 2016 um, elections that uh, James Comey had initiated an investigation into Rudy Giuliani? How insane is that? And the Clinton-related FBI leaks? Seriously, I, I just saw that. I have to read more into it, but I thought I'd let you guys know that. It's pretty interesting. So what am I expecting today? I'm expecting him to entrap himself. I'm expecting some smart questions, but I'm also expecting that his attorney will be interjecting and disallowing him to answer questions. Like he did in the previous one. So what I'm understanding is is that he's going in now for testimony. And um, he's sitting down uh, to answer questions. And I'm thinking, Loretta Lynch was just there. So will they use the testimony they have from her and kind of try to dig it out? I don't know. So... Apparently, the closed-door interviews that were provided were not good. And, you know, they asked for closed-door because they claim classified or need to know, and, you know, that way they can grandstand in front of the public. But it'll be interesting to see the outcome of such an interview because, like I've said, the president is crowdsourced people. He didn't put out an advertisement, hey, come work for me. He made people feel that they have the need to contribute to their country, to contribute to this war, because this is war. We are literally fighting for our sovereignty. Or we would have been in a place just like France right now. I I almost guarantee you we would have been just like France and Germany right now if Clinton had won those elections. We'd be on fire, probably under martial law, and anyone like you or I who listen or contribute or state things against them would be eradicated. We're hearing reports out of France and Germany where they're literally arresting and making citizens disappear that have a platform to talk. People are frightened, and the thing is, Twitter is getting all these subpoenas from these foreign governments and complying. You have to wonder how many times Twitter is providing that information to our government. I know they've grandstanded a few times, advising people that they've received a subpoena, but they won't provide information, but they're letting you know or something. But in actual fact, they provide more information than you know and never let you know either. So Comey, FBI director, dirty, 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 was brought in to fix things back in the early thousands with his buddy Mueller, now testifying again. He's so abrasive, so in your face. He does not care at all if it shows that he is biased. He does not care anymore. None of them do. None of them. I mean, Clinton's still tweeting. Like, why are you even talking? So as we wait to see the results and uh, hear something, I wanted to draw your attention to something that hasn't been reported at all. There was a case filed against Michael Pompeo by um, a gentleman, Fang Wang and others, They basically, they're plaintiffs, and they um, uh, say that his counting policy was unlawful, um, you know, that there were EB-5 investors, Chinese investors, uh, children of investors who lost or lose their status uh, as children. They'll age out. And... They literally come together as um, the American Lending Center. It's a U.S. regional center sponsor of products uh, funded by EB-5 investment capital from the Chinese. And they're going against Michael Pompeo as, a, as the Secretary of State um, in regards to the Secretary of State's visa services and Department of State. Why is this important? This was an actual big win. Again, I'm telling you, the president and his administration are... Fighting wars you will not hear about. So these Chinese investors uh, were trying to hold them accountable. That the EB five program was created in 1990, and um, it's it falls under amends the Immigration and Nationality Act. Um, and saying that they that immigrant investors. So if you pour money into something, you're entitled to lawful permanent residency in the United States. Um, as the investor, your kids, and your wife, right? And um, anyone who's accompanying you or with you uh, with that investment. So, for example, if I'm from China and I dump $50 million in a startup and I start a company or I buy part of Twitter or anything that's a U.S.-based company, then me, my husband, my kids, my grandmother, my aunt, my cousins, my neighbor, they can all come with me and be provided – lawful permanent residency because I've dumped a bunch of money in. And that's uh, the the EB-5 program. Why am I telling you this? Pay attention. EB-5 program, again, it's actual pouring of money into our country. So basically, they are buying their permanent residency, right? So Secretary Pompeo is denying this. And so they're going by, okay, well, the the kids of these investors are now going to age out and they're no longer entitled to stay. So now they're Chinese Student Protection of 1992. um, You know, they're all talking about this. But guess what? This was most recently denied by the judge. It ruled in the favor of our country. This was a war that no one knew was being fought. To disallow people to claim permanent residency and then, therefore, uh, fulfill requirements to become, you know, um, actual citizens, you know, by money. This means if you have money, you can just buy your citizenship. And he stopped that. So the judge literally said, by limiting the number of available EB-5 visas in any given year, Congress made clear that whether or not derivatives were counted, foreign investment through EB-5 program could not be unbounded. The public has an interest in maintaining diversity of immigrants, as the country cap demonstrates. So... It says that the public benefits not just from diversity of countries, but from types of visas that are allocated because what they wanted to do is make sure that the rich people can come in. Uh, This is something that happened in the 90s. Right. We're talking uh, Bush slash Clinton era. Right. Bush 41 Clinton era where rich people could literally buy their way to the United States. So they pay money and they can get it. So the judge said finally the plaintiffs argue that the government will not suffer injury if the injunction is issued to disallow him from saying that no this this isn't the way we're going to work and the judge said this argument is without merit the government has a responsibility to set immigration policy, including numerical limits. The government and public benefit from a stable and diverse immigration system. Granting an injunction would disrupt and frustrate these substantial benefits. Therefore, the court finds that the benefits to the plaintiffs are outweighed by the harms to the public and government caused by injunction. And that was signed by Judge Tanya Chekton. So, And that was done just now on December 6, 2018. This is a war you didn't hear about. No one's going to tell you about because it's not in their best interest To, to demonstrate to you how there were laws created for people to literally buy their way into our country and therefore create the immigration chasm, I would like to say. So we have the immigrants that come in with the point systems like other countries, you know, that have something to contribute. They come in as work. They come in, you know, as students and then apply to work because they have skills, right? And uh, they're your middle class or lower middle class, let's say. And then we have the people that can literally by uh, their residency within our country. Um, And then we have our illegal immigrants that just funnel through and then demand uh, citizenship because they made it and they're entitled to it and because you just have to believe them that they're running away from something when, uh, you know, this whole caravan showed very different. So this is a war you didn't know, uh, this battle of the whole war that the Trump administration is undergoing right now. This is a battle you didn't know he won which is that he dictates, the administration dictates, what kind of immigration policies are in place. And that is the way it should be. We cannot say that we are halting immigration completely because it's a nation built on immigrants. I mean, we can for a temporary period of time. But what we do need is exactly what the judge said, diversity. We need people that come in with student visas that contribute and stay. We need skilled workers, I don't know, like a French chef that has better skills than some guy that, you know, learned somewhere else. I don't know, anything. We need this diversity. We can't just, uh, just hand over residencies and hand over, you know, citizenship because you can buy it. Because unfortunately, that's the way it is ask anyone who's gone through the process of becoming a citizen in the united states it's expensive my husband who's married to me an american citizen has two children that are american citizens you know we still had to fork up 600 bucks for him to uh, get his residency renewed just residency not becoming a citizen. People have to pay upwards of thousands of dollars to become citizens, and I guess that's because you want to make sure that they can contribute to society. You know, all countries do that. Try migrating to Australia. You'll have to fulfill a point system and see if your skills are required in the country so that's the way uh immigration goes so that was a win for the administration that was underreported oh actually not reported at all to state that they're okay with immigration but they're trying to put a cap on what kind of people can come in they don't want to they don't want it to be lopsided and that's something that has been happening it's been very lopsided lopsided in the fact that they favor those that are illegal and favor those that will pay and minimizing those that can stay when they actually have to contribute. I have various friends uh, while I was in grad school that were geniuses, mathematicians, um, you know, statisticians, um, and in medical research that had a lot to contribute, yet they were denied access um, to be able to extend their time after completing their PhDs. Yet the Saudi students or the Chinese students that had the money from their government backing them were able to. See, that's the problem. It wasn't on merit of what you have to contribute. It was based on merit of money or not money. So we want the illegal immigrants so that way we can have a population we can control easily and manage easily and obviously give us votes because we're giving them whatever they want. And then we have the really affluent ones in order to contribute to that 1%. Because like I've said before, who is the one that is advocating for you to want socialism? Who wants you to have universal health care, universal school, universal money, universal wages? It's the 1%. Why would the 1% want to give you all this free stuff? because then the next generation won't have to struggle they don't need a job if they're getting a universal wage they don't need to compete to get into the best schools you know they don't need to compete for anything because everything's given to them so that kills the drive of innovation kills the drive of the average citizen maintaining that gap between the 1% and then just the lower middle class. It'll be them and us. That's the way they want it. I mean, it takes a couple of years, but you got to start somewhere, right? And they've started this 50 years ago, implementing it slowly. The rollout began, actually it began way before that. It started with Social Security. I've said that before. I sound like a broken record sometimes. When Social Security was created, that's when the plan was initiated. Because the thing that Social Security did was relieve the children from the responsibility of taking care of their parents. Government said, don't worry about it. We'll take their money. When you work, you pay into it and we'll take care of them. Don't worry about your parents. You know, and that's how it starts. You know, you break families you know and you and you drive people into different directions you know to have other priorities and and that's how you gain control by guiding them in what they want without them knowing you're guiding them it's uh, you know you you probably can see statistically um American citizens that are from immigrants that come from nations that still uh, prescribe to the notion of living with their parents and taking them in, even though they have a household and taking care of them, um, are one of the most successful types of American families you know, the ones that take grandma in or grandpa in so they don't live alone, the ones that don't send them away to a nursing home are more successful because they value family values. They value the fact that they look after their parent no matter how difficult it is. And, you know, it may sound harsh to someone that might say, well, I sent my mom or my dad to, you know, a home. And that's probably because you maybe didn't have the relationship other tight-knit families do. Um. I, myself, personally can't fathom doing that to my parent. I can't. I don't know how others can, but, you know, they looked after me for my first 18 years. Well, no, 16, because I left and joined the Navy quite early. But um, they did look after me, and it would be my responsibility to look after them and take care of them. So this is where it all started, Social Security because it destroyed family foundations. And then after that, it became all cool to be divorced, so destroy, you know, families. And then after that, it's like, oh, who needs kids? And, you know, you can, you know, same-sex push that, you know, make it a lifestyle. You know, nobody cares who you sleep with. Nobody cares. But promoting it is kind of in a sense of saying you don't really need to reproduce anymore, and that could be probably why we're not reproducing anymore. I mean, there's a lot of theories. Um you know, our foods being genetically modified and causing infertility, uh, the vaccinations, the medications, environmental factors. But the, the deal is, is that we're not reproducing. Actually, statistically, if you were to put it down, speak to any ecologist looking at our population as a country, um, we are actually declining and facing like we're, we have the trend, as they would say, uh, towards extinction uh, because we are not reproducing. Yet the people that are migrating here are the ones that are reproducing like rabbits, um, which means that that um, declines – how how did the French – there was a French professor that put it out that he said you know what we're seeing in Europe he said this 2 years ago is not migration it's invasion and not so and and he said in France the rate of reproduction is at 1.9 and anything under 2.5 is considered a downward trend toward extinction meaning that the french as french as 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 you know a culture, as a people, as a race, is declining and they're having an incoming um, uh, group of persons that have a rate of, you know, 6.4, which means within 10 years they will be outnumbered and then in France they'll be the minority, Uh, just to make it clear. So if we look at our statistics, we're seeing the same trend, So that's something to think about on a mathematical basis of what's really going on globally and what the war is really about, um, and that's power. And that's control. And we can see right now that within our own country, you know, besides what we're seeing out there in our own country, we're seeing that this um, mafia, this organized crime unit, this government within the government is in full panic mode because they are literally getting their pants pulled down on a global stage and they are all in. And it's not just the government. They've activated every single arm of them, which is Hollywood, mainstream media, you name it, social media, the Internet. You know, they are on full force to mitigate. But it's not going to happen because, like I said, our president's administration right now is fighting wars and battles you cannot even fathom. Some so sinister that I'll have a special guest to talk about that Probably next week. But like I said, mark your calendars. On Wednesday, we will have Laura Loomer here and we will discuss kind of on the topic of my trend. Until then, I wish you all a great evening. Start baking those cookies and making those (laughs) plans. And let's all contribute to maintaining our sovereignty. Have a great night.